Good afternoon and good evening, everybody. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 43, and we're going to be demystifying all of those weird and confusing words that surround everything related to hosting tonight. We brought a special guest on with us to help us with that. I'm really excited to share all of that stuff with you. But first and foremost, I need to make sure I remind you all that I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other host, Aaron Hill. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing all right. I'm... Uh, Almost through my first glass of scotch already, so I'm getting a good <laughs> quick start this evening, uh, and I'm going to have to with what we're going to start off talking about, so I think that's only fair at that point. <laughs> Folks, if you want to check us out, uh, be sure to dig in uh, over at Twitter or Facebook at slash Drunken UX or on Instagram at slash Drunken UX Podcast. If you're really, really interested in us, you can come and talk to us on Slack. Just hit us at drunkenux.com slash Slack, and you can get right in there. It's like an instant invite. It lets you in. I don't check anybody at the door. Probably should card them, though, right? You carded me. I did card you, and I I'm still... I'm on the show. I yeah, Well, you've got this little, like, little kid goatee, so I'm not entirely <laughs> convinced you're of age yet. Oh. I keep hoping one so day. It's, it's the only facial hair I can grow. <laughs> that's scary but okay you know uh, well it, you you grow enough for the both of us i do so, and and yeah. uh it's it's my brand what can i say uh <laughs> what do you got in your nice frosty glass there sir i got a gin and tonic tangeray specifically tangeray. i've got uh some gin in my bar i think it's uh bombay the blue bottle is that bombay bombay's good mm-hmm. i hate gin i hate gin that's... do you mix it with tonic i no. i try to mix it with nothing because i hate it I'm drinking a uh, Oban tonight. I, got, I picked up a, a fresh bottle of that and and cracked it open. It's pretty much my go-to. It's a Highland Scotch. It's beautiful. Um, it's it's like the, the the perfect middle of the road Scotch. You can drink it in the evening. You can drink it with a meal. You can drink it for dessert. It doesn't matter. It's just good all the time. That's drink it with breakfast. I mean, yeah, but I don't admit to that. <laughs> I saw Jeff had something in his bottle there i do so i was drinking water but i felt like i'd uh i should join you and so i got grabbed a little bit of uh captain morgan private stock that was on my Ooh. desk already so uh a little bit of bottle of that and uh don't have a glass up here so i was drinking bottled water so it's just getting tipped <laughs> up so uh aaron yeah aaron you heard the news yeah. <laughs> i did, didn't until today i answered before the show <laughs> wow <laughs> I didn't plan on killing him this quickly, <laughs> but apparently that's how it worked. So, okay, so like the the topic which we'll share in a moment is hilarious, but the title of the article <laughs> says "Dominoes is locked in a legal battle over the future of web design." <laughs> well, if, if their vision of the future of web design is anything like their pizzas, I think we might be in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> but hey, go them. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the news, I think uh, most web circles have shared some iteration of this story. If not recently, then in the past few months as well, because this is the continuation of a story that's been going on since 2016. Uh, as happens, uh, Domino's being a big brand, they got sued by a blind user who couldn't order pizza through their website or through their app. 
and they sued them under the ADA, saying, you're a place of public accommodation, and I'm public, and you aren't accommodating me. And <laughs> Domino's, originally, uh, the case was... Uh, 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 not thrown out isn't the right word, but like they, they didn't do the case basically, whatever <laughs> whatever that word is. The uh, the back in January, January, uh, the Ninth Circuit I think took up the case and said, oh yeah, no, Domino's, uh, you are a place of public accommodation, just because your website isn't a physical location, it's still accommodating the public as a business with a brick and mortar presence. So you need to apply those same basic standards and said you have to make your site compliant. And Domino yeah. said, yeah, but we hate people and we don't want them to give us money. So we're going to fight this. <laughs> and they want the Supreme Court to now decide if the ADA applies to websites. Whoa. So there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> it's a, you know, I mean, it's a fight that's been going on for a while, right? Like we've, we've seen variations on this lawsuit for years now. Uh, Have the previous judgments just been settlements? So, uh, a good example, Amazon got hit with this. Um, 2018, uh, there was a class action against Amazon for not yeah. uh, accommodating blind people for uh, for purchases. And that lawsuit never saw the light of day because it was settled. Right. I think we dis we discussed a couple of those in our accessibility episode, right? Oh, um, yeah, I'm sure we probably did. And a Amazon's also got an interesting case because originally Amazon would have had the argument that because they don't have a physical location, that the public mm -hmm. accommodation standard doesn't apply to them. But now that they own places like Whole Foods, right, it, it kind of actually changes the dynamic in a very strange way. <laughs> The law of unintended consequences. So I've got to I've got to read from uh, this is an article at Fast Company. There are several others. The Verge and a couple others had carried it as well. Um, it says websites and mobile apps do not become pub public accommodations simply by virtue of providing access to the goods and services of a brick and mortar enterprise. The pizza chain argues the ADA does not demand full accessibility for each and every means of accessing the goods or services a public accommodation provides to the public. What they're effectively saying is. Yeah, the website's not accessible. He could pick up a phone, though. That's hmm. that's the underlying argument of, that they're making there. That, yeah, we, we make our brick and mortars accessible. The websites aren't, and they don't have to be because we have taken steps to make it available elsewhere. What they're saying, then, is that the accommodations are that telephones exist and that this person presumably has, like, a, I don't know, the ability to make phone calls. Right. And it's it's a very I mean, this hmm. is this is an argument that has been made the world over. If you go and, and I, I caution you, if you go to any like non tech website and look up this story, don't read the comments. <laughs> you will absolutely lose faith in humanity because just of the in general don't read the comments. The the comments are always just kind of gross and make you feel ugly. That is an argument, though, that you hear a lot that, well, and I've made that argument, and I'm, I'm as guilty of that as anybody of saying, you know, I've, I've tried to take something as far as we could in one area. We have other means until such time as we can catch something else up. Usually, though, I, I've made that argument in cases where, like, I was the only web person on mm -hmm. a site that was 100,000 pages. <laughs> and so it's like it, it really was a case of, I can't get to that stuff 
unless somebody lets me hire more people or whatever. So there was a legitimate right. argument to say we we have other means. Domino's does not have that excuse as far as right. so the the this article or I don't know if it was this one or another one, but the the basic uh, uh, consensus was that it was going to cost Domino's thirty eight thousand dollars to <laughs> make their site accessible. They throw away $38,000. Oh, like they, they, Domino's could light $38,000 on fire and like take a shit on it. and it, uh, Nobody would miss it. I'm pretty so sure they have to throw they, away that much pizza. Right, night. exactly. Like they, I guarantee you they throw away way more pizza than that. Make it accessible. Yeah. This, this area, because it is, it's one of those things. And, and people say, well, Domino's retains lawyers. So, because people are like, well, don't they, isn't it going to cost them more? And, the, and they say, Domino's retains <laughs> lawyers for this stuff. Yeah, they do. Those aren't constitutional lawyers those aren't lawyers right. that go before the supreme court they're gonna have to hire those lawyers to do all that and they're gonna definitely cost more than 38 grand and it's a weird yeah. argument because it's it's that kind of argument that they're basically saying this is a bad example because of course the ada does apply but if i'm gonna build a three-story building i'm not gonna put an elevator in it i shouldn't have to because well i'll carry somebody upstairs if they need it like, <laughs> like that's a real asshole way of putting it uh, no, no. but that's the argument they, there's a making. phone anything you need to do from <laughs> who calls I, I, anymore? like i order pizza on my phone but it's on an app like yeah. i don't call if if there's a place that doesn't have a website or an app i just don't order pizza from them. i i know that feeling are there mobile like mobile only specials like are are you missing out on any offerings if you don't use the mobile app absolutely mcdonald's does it yeah I know Pizza Hut used to. I don't know if they still do, but there. Now a lot of them would did that originally, especially to get people to use the mobile apps. Like I've noticed, sure. McDonald's specials aren't nearly as good as they used to be. Not that I use McDonald's a lot. I don't ever eat at McDonald's. What are you talking about? I'm a healthy guy. I work out <laughs> like every other day. Come on, man. What? Don't accuse me of this. This is not a fair. I'm going to talk about web development. Uh, <laughs> the, the welcome to our other co-host, Michael Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the weird argument that Domino made too, and this this is the one where I'm just like, yeah, these guys literally don't have a clue what they're what they're trying to do. Is they they made a comment about how the moving target compliance standards make it difficult to make a an accessible website at their scale. <laughs> uh, to which I just want to make sure everybody knows, WCAG 2.0 came out in 2008, 11 years ago. WCAG 2.0 was released. And granted, WCAG 2.0 is not, you know, it's not a panacea. It's, it, it does not solve all of our problems, and it definitely has fallen behind. 2.1, WCAG 2.1 came out in 2018. It took 10 years for that update to happen. So I don't know yeah. what they are talking about when they say these, these standards move too quickly. Yeah, the web moves quickly. Yes, it does. But the standards don't. <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> I, I think they need to hire some people who do literally anything with IT. <laughs> I want to frame some good out of this because <laughs> maybe there is some weird good guy approach that Domino's is taking. Maybe at the end of the day they're saying, you know what? No, we, we're going to fix all this stuff. It's going to take us some time. We're going to spend the 38000 We still want the lawsuit to go forward because underneath it, the question is a valid question that they are saying, which is that there the ADA does not clearly apply to websites. And in a legal sense, 
it's questionable only because the courts have ruled it both ways. And yeah. and so what they're saying is, hey, we need the Supreme Court to say whether or not the ADA applies to websites. It's it's something. There's, I, okay, there's no I, shareholder sitting there going, yeah. here, let's go through this lengthy court battle and spend a uh, spend a ton of money on it just so we can help people with accessibility issues. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. no, that's not happening. No, like, no one goes no, to the Supreme going, Court with intention to lose. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I tried. <laughs> I I I I want to I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I do think though that I think it is a good fight because a they're gonna lose. I mean they're gonna lose if they don't. I even hope, if they don't lose, I hope they do. You hope they do? I said I hope they lose. Oh but yeah. Like I I don't know for certain that they will. I don't know. Things are weird right now. <laughs> And it does underline, again, this idea that we are behind. Yeah, Congress needs to step up. Supreme Court needs to step up. We need to update our rule set. You know, there everything hinges on this definition under Title III of public accommodations, places mm-hmm. of public accommodations, and what that constitutes. Because there's a list, and it's a finite list, and it gets interpreted by the courts to either mean your physical place or a place in an abstract sense, like a website, a a website is a place. But even in that sense, the ADA is very vague on what accounts for, you know, quote unquote, reasonable accommodations under the law. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so even though we can absolutely sit here and say, just make your, your damn site accessible. Section 508 gives you, you know, the basic outline, how the federal government does it. That's all you have to do. Double A standard, we CAG. It's easy. Do it. Spend your money. Do the work. You're fine. Uh, they can do it or not do it, but I think we do need to catch up our infrastructure as a whole at the same time because we need to remove some of that ambiguity. Just to what do I know? this, what if they win? Ooh. Like, what if the Supreme Court rules... That the ADA doesn't apply. I I think you will see a move to update the ADA. Okay, that would be a good consequence, I, I suppose. I I think that, and that's why I say, like there there is good to come out of this. I think uh, even you know Either not way. not even tongue in cheek. Like there's good to come out of it because yeah, it will motivate a large group of people who yeah maybe dominoes won't care, but it will motivate a group of people to go to Congress people and say mm-hmm. accessibility generally gets good support mm-hmm. across the board. And this is one of those areas where, and we've said this on this show many times, accessibility isn't hard. Good accessibility is just good web design. <laughs> as someone who, as someone who is going through um, ADA retrofitting tickets at my job right now, um, it's, it's very challenging. There, it's I'm enjoying it a lot. There's a lot of stuff that I'm learning. It's really cool, and I'm excited about it. But there's a lot to learn. Yeah, it's there's a ton, right? There's 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 a ton to learn. But the thing is, though, is that I've talked to various accessibility people, um, and the thing is, is that most people don't care necessarily if it's initially not ac- accessible. It's more so mm-hmm. that you try. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it's yeah. never going to be perfect. But yes. at least say, hey, there's a problem here. Okay, let's try to fix it. Right, right. Have a plan. 
You know, when somebody raises the question, if you can say, yeah, we know about this stuff, here's here's how we're approaching it, and understand, you know, these are problems that existed for five years, and it's going to cost us time, money, etc., but we're committed to it, that's enough to make a lot of people happy. I think the only wrong answer is, like, yeah, no, uh, fuck you, we're, we're going to go to the Supreme Court over this. That, that is, yeah, that is, like, the wrong answer. That is the ultimate wrong answer to that question. <laughs> Oh, I just got lightheaded from laughing. <laughs> Good. Catch your breath. Uh, you probably heard another voice chiming in there. So I want to introduce you guys all the way from uh, our, our uh, eastern coast of Virginia, although Virginia isn't all on the coast. I don't know which part you're from, actually. But we have Jeff Matson coming to us. Jeff's been working in uh, as a uh, hosting and education evangelist since 2012. Uh, he currently does uh, community management for Northstack and is uh, one of their leads for education and documentation at Pagely. Uh, he's a super smart guy that's going to help walk us through all things hosting related. Everybody, Ooh. say hello to Jeff Matson. Hi, Jeff. I was first. First. Thank you, class. So the uh, yeah the, the the exact location of where I am is uh, in Chesapeake, Virginia, um, which is right next to Virginia Beach. Which yeah, so that is on the the coast. So you you is are right the on the coast. We're about uh, I'd Wait, say is Virginia Beach like aptly named or is it an ironic name? Uh, no, it's a beach. It's okay. a big beach too. It's okay. I mean it's I think it's one of the largest public beaches out there. I think it's right one on. of the longest. Uh yeah, it's a nice beach. It's a it's a nice like family place. It's not, you know, your typical party area that you may see at, you know, vacation beach spots and everything. We just got a few hotels. Actually, you know, uh there is the um, it was just the uh something in the water festival over here, which was the big uh Pharrell Williams thing. They had like all kinds of people coming to the Was beach, the something so. a shark? Uh, no, it's called something. Yeah, no, music. I guess. I guess <laughs> okay. music is the, is the something in the water. Um, but it was like this huge concert on the beach, just massive music festival thing. Um, it went cool. really well. So hopefully they'll do it again. And then Virginia Beach will be more of a place. <laughs> nice. How far are you from Asheville? Asheville is. Let's see. I have actually friends in Asheville. Um, I think it takes them maybe two, three hours. Okay. I think. A little. Oh I'm wow. Not entirely sure. That's it's not too far. Like we're like it's... three hours from Raleigh. Because Asheville's like right by uh, Tennessee. Um, I'd have to look. We might be a little it's, um, longer. Than it's that. pretty close to the border between North and South Carolina. I know. I, I ask because I've got uh, that's my home office is is in Asheville, so okay. that's where all the people who I oh, answer cool. to sit. So I was just out there last year. We got to be a lot farther than that. I'll have to ask my friend how far how far she drives because like, far... they drive with like a bunch of kids and stuff for like <laughs> weekends. How far how far are you from DC? DC is about three hours. Okay. Okay, I was just give or take a little bit depending on how fast you drive. Last week, very fast. Cool. So tonight's topic is all about uh, hosting, web hosting specifically, uh, because there are a lot of words that surround this stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about managed and unmanaged hosting. We're going to talk about shared hosting, VPS, cloud, all of these things to help you get an idea about the different types of hosting that are out there uh, and which ones are right for which use cases and what the challenges are between some of them at different points so that you know, you know, it, what you should be thinking about using for, you know, your next project or whatever the case may be. Because uh, that can be challenging at times. Uh, there's a lot of variation. There's a lot of overlap in some cases. So we wanted to kind of like break it down and, and help establish sort of what goes into that decision-making process. So I thought... Jeff would be a good kind of addition to this. He's kind of, you've been embedded in the hosting world for, God, what, seven years now? 
Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so I, uh, I originally lived in Charlotte, North Carolina for a little while, and I moved up here to go work for InMotion Hosting um, to do uh, tech support for them for a while. And then uh, that, so that was my kind of first foray into working for a host. You know, obviously I've used hosting for quite some years. Um, but uh, when I moved up to uh, Virginia, it kind of threw me into this world of hosting um, where I went from support and then I, and then I started doing a lot of community evangelism and writing docs. And then that kind of led me to, uh, gravity forms, which I wrote docs for them for a while. And then now I'm back in hosting, um, doing, uh, doing the stuff for Pagely here and as well as North stack. What kind of stuff do people like put up on those hosts? So, yeah. so in motion was, was kind of across the board. They did a lot of shared hosting. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of really small mom and pop shops. Um, so let's start with, I want to go through, there are two words and the, and these two words are directly uh, uh, opposed to each other, but you hear them a lot and that's managed and unmanaged. And I want to start with those because you'll hear them applied to the rest of the things we're going to discuss in different contexts. Um, and so I think it's good to kind of kick that off. When it comes to the, the, the words, I think are fairly self-explanatory in that managed means the company that you are paying is taking care of a lot of the background stuff for you. That's updating things like, uh, you know, if you don't ever want to worry about what version of Ubuntu you're on, you don't have to worry about it because they worry about it. If you don't have to or don't want to worry about whether or not encrypt has been updated and, and, and patched for the latest security patch, you don't have to worry about it because they're going to worry about it. That's what managed means in the so it's like broad outsourcing sense. anxiety. Yeah, anxiety is a service. It's taking all of these things that make a website go, whether that's Apache, PHP, uh, CGI bin, you know, Python, any of these things. Wait, do people do people do people still do that on purpose? There is still a CMS <laughs> that I used when I built my very first website, what? and it is still out there and still running, and it is all CGI based. Unmanaged, on the other hand, basically means self-service. And that can be self-service at cPanel, or it can be self-service, like complete server DIY. But unmanaged basically means if you have a problem, it's your problem. Uh, and, okay. you know, it, and I also kind of lump in with when we'll talk about shared hosts. A lot of shared hosts are unmanaged. You can submit tickets, and they will occasionally help you with some of that. But generally speaking... You're getting like tier one support that they're not helpful. <laughs> they don't help. Okay, you. wait, wait, wait. So having used a few different hosts, managed hosting would be where you're pretty much not ever SSHing in to do stuff. Right. And unmanaged hosting is when sometimes you have to SSH in to do things, but you can also submit support tickets. The biggest, the biggest difference really is that, you know, you're unmanaged. So you have like, there's, there's kind of a different, a few different tiers of managed versus unmanaged as well. So, you know, you have your cloud VPS type things where they're unmanaged, you know, blank VPS somewhere mm. you in, the, the OS is installed, you maintain everything else. Right. Okay. Um, that's traditionally usually what's looked at unmanaged. Obviously, shared hosting can kind of a little fall into that since okay. some, since a lot of times, you know, they're managing the server, right? They're making sure it's up and they're making sure, you know, usually a poor job anyways of doing it. Right. Shared hosting. But 
you know, they're at least managing, you know, your basic stuff, but they're not going to touch your app. They don't care. They're not going to yeah, make, like, you know, custom configurations for you. You have to like, install like WordPress that. yourself. And right. All that. Or yeah. not even that. Like, like, you just, like, you need caching or you need, like, okay. for example, a custom cache key or something where you okay. don't want this specific thing cached. Whereas managed is more so doing those things. It's that concierge type stuff. Okay. It's more of the more of the i have wordpress and these are my own unique challenges so for example what we do at pagely is we do cater directly to enterprise stuff okay. so when you say hey i want to deploy a wordpress site we go all right well how does it run what does it do what kind of stuff are you oh. doing do you need custom stuff do we need to create these custom cache keys for you do we need to make some custom deployment for you we will make all that stuff and tune your and and, and help you tune your app so it's um, like tune our servers like devops as a service <laughs> Kind of right. So that's the kind of the difference, right? Are, are they telling you there's a problem with your site, or are you telling them? It, it's a very it's sort of white glove approach, right? Oh, like, like that idea of having that person who is there to cater to you and and take care of all of the things. Okay, okay, okay. I think I got it. So that's that's at a high level, and there are of course, uh, I, like you said, Jeff, there are variations kind of on those approaches. The next section about this, it, it breaks it down as you've kind of got a, a, a almost a life cycle of a developer. So a lot of developers will start out on shared hosting. It's the first thing they get into usually because it's very cheap. And then they'll start looking at VPS hosting because it gives them sort of that next tier of power. Um, and then somewhere in this mix also cloud uh, uh, hosting comes into play, which is sort of a blend of these. So, well, starting with shared hosting, you're going to know the names as HostGator, as DreamHost, as Bluehost, as InMotion. Um, you know, GoDaddy does it, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> it, it, these are the folks that you, when you jump on their site, they're like, yeah, we can get you a website up for $4 a month. We're going to give you your domain. We're going to give you your SSL. This and it's unlimited everything. A, the thing, okay, so I I don't really use shared hosting anymore. I did, I used to. I used to use DreamHost. But the thing that I like about shared hosting, it's a very nostalgic thing. But this is like kind of a real throwback to hosting back in like the 90s and early 2000s. Where you have, like your account is a user on a Linux Unix server somewhere. And then... You have like control over your home directory, and then that's basically yeah. it. like whatever other inroads they give you. And there's something like I find very charming about that, even if like practically speaking, most people need more than that eventually. But I, it's still like has a special place in my heart, though. <laughs> Shared hosts, they you know, they are cheap, and it feels like when you look at one, you're like, man, four dollars a month, and I get unlimited everything, and they're giving me all this. It sounds like a good deal, <laughs> and so people start there, and and that's fine. Uh, it's perfectly fine, and and we'll talk about why exactly you would use shared hosting. Generally, the the other sort of telltale sign of shared hosting is it's uh you'll when you go in because I I said earlier, you know, when you do like shared hosting, a lot of it, or if it's unmanaged hosting. Uh, you mm. tend to have a lot of self-service. And so the way shared hosts do this is they go install cPanel, which is a piece of software that basically is designed to house web services and list them out and make that so you as the user can go in with a button click and do something, whether that's 
look at a database, install WordPress, you know, uh, set up a DNS for a new domain, whatever the case may be. But it's designed to make you do everything. And that's what shared hosting looks like when you're on the inside. Back, back on episode nine, this is way back, the Love at First Site one where we were talking about our first websites. That's the kind of hosting we were using back then, right? Would be like shared hosting. Yeah. Um, I started out, I, I don't even remember the name of the company now. Um, first uh, company I went with, $1.99 a month. Uh, I got 10 megs. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It, you know, it did its job, uh, at least at that point in time. And that's, that's why. Because I was, I was a kid, basically. I could afford that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's <laughs> and for a lot of businesses too you'll end up there for that reason. So that's that's what shared hosting looks like. Shared hosting is all about offering cheap hosting because they have a bunch of servers and they're going to try to get as many people on them as they can. Uh think of it like an airplane, right? Or it's coach class or even or an apartment building. Economy class? It's, yeah, economy. Like yeah. You you basic your human luggage, essentially. <laughs> when you show up to the airport and you've got the uh, the wait list, you know, the, the people who are on right. standby, that's what happens. <laughs> and that's, that's what shared hosts usually do is they will tend to over-provision their sales for the servers that they're on. That's why they say, well, everything's unlimited because they're counting mm-hmm. on 90% of the stuff that's on them doesn't probably get any traffic. Yeah. yeah, that's that's I mean that's the case, right? Like a lot of times it is small sites that don't get any traffic. The problem is is that since you're all on one physical box, yep. then you have that one site that does get big and kills everybody else's. Yep. <laughs> it's like it's like uh the airplane analogy like you had, but instead of if the airplane didn't have seats and everybody just had to cram in there as hard as they could, and then you had that <laughs> super huge sweaty guy that's just like on top of you. <laughs> you know you can't do anything about it you just got to kind of deal with it and either either change planes aka change hosts or uh or just kind of deal with the smelly guy every once in a while kind of uh kind of uh getting it in your way in this moment that i was really glad we brought jeff on tonight's show <laughs> uh, you're like a shark the the next step up from there is vps this is uh virtual private servers this is is similar to shared hosting in the sense that your host has a big server farm and they are carving out pieces of it for you. This is what shared hosting does. Mm-hmm. VPS generally, if you have a good reputable host, there are less reputable ones that will push this, but a good VPS host is going to say you're renting, you know, two CPUs and 8 gigs of RAM and 500 gigs of storage and that's yours. You're paying for it, and it is ooh, provisioned ooh. for you. I got it. I got it. Shared hosting is like renting a room, and VPS hosting is like renting the whole apartment. Ah, uh, uh. there, there is. I, I, I shit you not. There was. There is part of <laughs> my the in motion hosting training that explains what is shared hosting. You know, for like billing people that have never like don't know anything about hosting typically. Yeah. Uh, they're like, what is shared hosting? And they're like, well, shared hosting is like having a room in, oh, in a place. Sure. And then yes. DPS is like having an apartment that's part of one thing. And then a dedicated <laughs> is your house. Dude, that, that analogy works perfect. It, it I, really does. It works really well. 
Amazing. So process <laughs> in motion and whoever wrote that training. And Aaron's yelling at me because he sees me waving my hands and, and getting exasperated as if something is going on with the conversation. The reality is I'm watching my new kitten trying to jump from guitar to guitar hanging on my wall. <laughs> We've entered the terrible twos phase of kittenhood. Oh. Uh, yeah, so where were we? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the thing about VPS hosting is it, the nice thing about it, at least for me, so I use DigitalOcean. Uh, I, I run yeah. a few droplets. I've got, I use spaces. I do all this stuff. The The thing I love about VPS is it is almost as cheap as shared hosting. Uh, mm-hmm. a droplet starts out at five bucks a month, uh, for DigitalOcean. Mm-hmm. And so you're only, you're, you're barely a step up from shared. And I should point out when you see those like three ninety five a month. That's introductory pricing. It's like the cable company. That's three ninety five mm. to start. That's not what you're paying next year when you re up. Just yeah, just be aware. Yeah. Uh, for five bucks, five bucks a month, you get a, a, your own server on DigitalOcean. It's not big. Um, it's not great for anything huge, but it, it's a starting place. And they can make it that cheap because at that scale, I mean, you're you're literally doing everything yourself. So whereas yeah. the shared hosts, part of what you're paying for is you do have access to cPanel. You do get one-click application installs. You have one-click access to PHP MyAdmin, all of these nice things. Uh, on a VPS, you get a server. That means you're installing your operating system. You're installing PHP MyAdmin. You're installing Apache. You're doing all of that yourself. You're maintaining your firewall and setting up fail-to-ban and preventing the random people with just scanning IP ranges. Yeah. <laughs> when when so, something's going wrong, you're you're not calling support. You better call Ghostbusters because it's it, the support's non-existent. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a higher ceiling certainly because the other thing about VPSs is, is you can usually scale them up. So as your site mm-hmm. grows, now they aren't dynamic usually. Like you, again, when you sign up for them, you provision so many resources. Yeah, and that's yours. They are more than happy to say, do you need more CPU? Do you need more RAM? Do you need more storage? They can always scale that up. Scaling down is usually harder. Uh, and I know DigitalOcean says they won't go back. Yeah. Now, that's a little bit of a of salesy talk for the most part. Okay. They they won't, but not necessarily for technical reasons. Uh, oh, but it is, it's, it is designed, though, to be able to scale with you. And we'll talk here in a little bit about uh, some other options that do scale with you. Um, but for mm-hmm. VPS, if you are building something that is designed to start small and you think you're going to grow over time, you can start with that $5 a month plan. And then when you get bigger, you get bigger, go to the $10 a month plan, go to the $15 a month plan and make your server bigger over time as, yeah. as your needs dictate at that point. I, I also use DigitalOcean, and I can at least say for them, and I think the other VPS is like Linode and. Rackspace, EC2. Yeah, the other they're, they're all very reasonable about scaling the price. Like, I, I never felt like the prices were trying to force you into a particular slot. You know, like, you go for $5 to $10, you roughly get double the capacity overall. And some of them, I've noticed, like, with DigitalOcean, this has happened to me, where I've had a server running for a year. And it's mm-hmm. like one of those things, like you set it and forget it. The server's just been there running, doing its job. And I noticed, yeah. hey, I can just up the resources on this box and it's not going to cost me anything because they have 
updated their whole pricing model oh, yeah. by that point. That's happened to me a couple times. Uh, that happened to me too. And what you're also going to realize is a lot of shared hosts offer VPS services as an upsell too, which can be nice if you have a, uh, a site already hosted on somebody like HostGator and you want to move it up. You know, you realize you start seeing mm. what we'll talk about some of the, the pros and cons of this stuff. If you start falling susceptible to some of the problems of shared hosting, for them, it's, you know, a button click basically, and you can migrate that over to a VPS and grow it that way, which can be a nice, uh, different avenue of growth, but it is an option mm. to keep in mind. And it's partly why they offer that uh, for what it's worth. I, I know that we just said that the cost basis is very similar and it may seem like you know like oh well if i start at 395 or even 595 a month with shared hosting i should just like graduate into vps but the the cost like gradates upwards but the required skills is more like an exponential curve Like to go from shared hosting where at most you're responsible, like the hardest thing you might do with shared hosting is like change directory, change permissions on one of your directories, or maybe like use curl or wget to download, I don't know, something to your, your shared instance. When it gets to VPS, like shit gets real, real fast. Well, it depends on, it, it kind of depends on your VPS host too. So there's like the, you know, you have like the digital ocean or Linode or, or, or whoever kind of VPS is, and then you have like your managed, like, like in motion offers a VPS. Right. And it's okay. not like they'll handle it's It's just running cPanel. And okay. so it's, it's the same kind of, you know, you get the same experience really in that, in that aspect of a VPS, obviously that's a completely different price point. Right. Um, but you know, you 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 actually don't even give root access to those boxes unless you specifically request them. Huh. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 kind of a little bit. So there is like a jump up from because a lot of the people that do the shared hosting as well do VPS very similarly. They do that kind of. It's like a shared, but you still are at least on your own little container there. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, once you once if you need root access or need to do something custom, and you go, oh well, I need to do something here. They're like, all right, well you have root access. Sign this paper that says if you oh, break yeah. something it's you, you know? <laughs> so it, it, you know it, there's 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 a varied difference obviously there's a huge 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 knowledge increase on, on you know the, the the unmanaged you know kind of cloud vps stuff um, but that's for a certain kind of people right like i i run those kind of boxes too and and mm-hmm. the reason for that is because i need like a private GitLab instance real quick or i need like this other little microservice or something like that and i just chuck it on a box and call it a day they definitely give you enough rope to hang yourself with. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a very good metaphor. Everybody's doing great with their metaphors this evening. I, I compliment Hooray! all of you. And I, I presume, Jeff, too, is that partly also what you handle a lot of in terms of documentation and education and things like that? Is that what's in, in your wheelhouse there as far as helping people learn how to do these things and, and how to figure out what, what tools to use for different applications? Yeah, so the way that the way that we do so we do managed hosting in an essence of you don't you you get you get a VPS, um, but we fully manage it for you. Basically, so we say here's a WordPress installation, do whatever you want. Now you still get SSH access if you access if you want SSH. Um, but there's there's we're, in the managed aspect of what we do, you're very closed into what you want unless we do it for you. 
So if you want this custom crazy stuff, most of the time, no problem. We'll do it. We'll just do it for you. We just, we just won't necessarily allow you to do it because we want to make sure that your site stays as stable as possible, that we can maintain every single package that's on there, um, all those sorts of things. We want to make sure that if your stuff goes down, that, you know, it's absolutely our fault, not yours. <laughs> and, and I don't, I, there's, there, it's a very rare case that, you know, something does go down, but if it does, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, at that point, it wasn't something because of something that was running on the box or, you know, it wasn't something that we can completely control. So there's a one in between state and I won't dig real deep into this, but there's what they call cloud hosting. And I don't, I don't love this term, especially in the world of VPS hosting, because to me, what we used to call VPS hosting was, or was cloud hosting. That was kind of the way it was viewed. Yeah, I'm not sure what so, this is. So cloud hosting is sort of this weird hybrid between shared and uh, VPS in that you generally end up with uh, the benefits of VPS as far as having some scalability and, and power with regard to access uh, to tools and resources, you can go up and down as your needs require occasionally. Um, the one that uh, I go to, and I'm going back, I'm, I'm digging into my, my history here, so I, if they don't do this anymore, I apologize, but um, I used to host some sites with Media Temple. And the way Media Temple, they had this service called Grid, and what you did was you bought into the Grid and you paid for GPUs, which was sort of this abstract idea of oh. how much power you were getting with this system. It's like like Heroku Dino. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Got it. Uh, so this would be like like cloud hosting would be like Heroku or Elastic yeah. Beanstalk or any of those things where you technically have hosting, but it's like you have to go through a very specific and proprietary pipeline to to deploy your things and there's like maybe like weird incantations and restrictions to how you can interface with it yeah i don't love the the phrasing or the model because I, I think it does it, it gets into a weird gray area and i think i would yeah i would rather advise people to either say use shared hosting or use a vps those are very black and white and and fairly clear cloud hosting gets weird because the feature sets can be very different between hosts yeah um, your your access can be different it's almost like that stuff was kind of a precursor to serverless almost like, yeah. obviously we'll go into serverless in a minute, but um, it's, it's like, you, you know, you have a certain amount of resources, but it's still like you're paying for, it's a very specific amount of power. Behind With VPS, app. you pay for eight gigs of Ram and, you know, two CPUs and all of this with cloud, because they abstract all that away and they say, well, like with Media Temple's case, GPU was a calculation of how much server time you utilized over a certain, you know, uh, factor, huh. how much RAM you were using, all of this. So it made it very hard to know, like, where you were going. Now, it is it is a weird kind of metered approach. Like, you are, in some cases, paying for a metered approach to it, which can be very beneficial at low scale. At high scale, it can not be great. <laughs> To say the least, I I know some sites that use uh, either Heroku or Elastic Beanstalk, and it's um it's really nice when you don't want to have to worry so much about DevOps and um like that. I guess that would be like 
really real DevOps as a service because you're you're not even you're you're barely even touching any of the deployment pipeline stuff. And a lot of times they'll do the like continuous integration or continuous deployment for you. It it has its nice features. Like I I can definitely see the benefits of using it, and I like how much how it scales easily. But also like it's a weird commoditization of like the of the the GPU things, yeah, or GPUs or dynos or whatever Amazon calls yeah. them. Whereas VPS, you um, are buying resources. This is this is it. Yeah. This is what you get in yeah. the, in like DigitalOcean's case. You go up, you don't go down. The cloud right. hosts usually go up or down. Well, one thing I want to kind of call out the the VPS and you know the 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 X number of CPUs and X amount of RAM is what kind of CPU is it and what kind of RAM is it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, am I running on, am I, yeah, like, (laughs) is there a Z80 in the background that's serving my website? Like, what is going on here? So, yeah, like, tell us, right? Like, and and maybe they don't, maybe, maybe a lot of times, like, there's the the general hosts are like, well, I'm not going to tell you because, you know, it it could fluctuate from VPS to VPS or, you know, it's a certain amount of very specific dedicated resources across, you know, a several number of, of, of CPUs or something. But like, just say something, right? Like, mm. is it is it fast RAM or is it you know standard DDR RAM? <laughs> what is it? I'm not sure they know anymore. You know, a lot of these places they're so big now, and your own machine can move around from you know physical place to physical place without you noticing. Um, honestly, I I don't know that they can know. You know, Amazon. And if anybody wants to go look it up, there's this really uh, there's some neat articles on how Amazon does a lot of the AWS infrastructure. They bring in shipping crates that get shipped over from China or wherever that are fully integrated inside the shipping crate, and their server farms <laughs> are just those shipping crates plugged into each other. It's wild That's and incredible to see really how meta. they do it. But they've got built-in Con- AC containers and- inside of containers. Yeah, Amazon's nuts with their AWS yeah. stuff. It's crazy. Like, like I mean, we're talking full on like failovers between power grids. Yeah, like, it's nuts. Like they'll have they'll have one data center that's near another one that's on two de- two separate power grids. So if one fails, it fails right over to the other one that's like <laughs> in the exact same geolocation. And yet, it's US crazy. East one goes down at least once a year and takes half the internet with it. So figure <laughs> that one out. I forget where I read this, but I, I remember hearing about uh, like one of Google's server farms in the in the Googleplex or wherever one of their server farms are located. But there's they have people whose job it is to just walk up and down the server farms. And then when drives go bad, like their light turns from green to red. And so they just have to pull the drive out, pop a new drive in, and then just keep walking yep. down the things. And this happens often enough that like it's it's their that's their job. You just swap drives. Thank you, Replication. Just walk around and, with a shopping cart and just pop out drives, pop in new ones. So there's another type, and I'm, this one's not worth spending a lot of time on. It's dedicated hosting. Dedicated is very easy because it's at the high end of the market, and it's literally what it sounds like. If you go to Rackspace, this used to be Rackspace's business model, basically, was and why they're called Rackspace, quite frankly. <laughs> you went to them and you said, I want to rent a machine from you. And that's what you do with dedicated hosting. You are literally renting a physical box, and that is your box. It sits in a rack somewhere. They build it out the way that, you know, some of them do it by, you know, very specific build-out. Some of them let you customize it. But you are 
getting a dedicated machine that is all yours and is taken care of. It's in the area of also, and I'm not going to, we don't talk about this uh, in the episode, but co-location is kind of similar, except that with co-location, it is technically your hardware in their location, but it's still, you're talking about physical hardware is now yours as opposed to virtual, as opposed to a container, as opposed to something that sits on amorphous hardware, but represents a real amount of, of capacity. Um, <laughs> yeah, a dedicated is a dedicated. You know, dedicated it's a, it's a, is dedicated. It's a physical it, box somewhere, and and you know, if you break some, if something explodes, it's probably your fault. Or and it's the, the data center going down. <laughs> and it's the difference between three ninety five a month and like a hundred and fifty dollars a month. Like there is a giant amount of scale there. You know when you're getting into dedicated, and that's why I don't want to spend time on it because most people won't deal a lot with that. Now. Jeff, when we were uh, planning out this episode, you threw one out there that I, I hadn't uh, anticipated that was great, which gets into this uh, this word that people hear that I hate. I hate this name. Serverless. Serverless. Because it's not serverless. <laughs> no, it's not. There's, there's, I mean, there's, there's definitely physical servers there. There's no, there's no such thing as an actual, like, magic that happens that just beams a website down this is different um, from the cloud which is literally in the cloud literally right? in the cloud there's right. like if you look up really closely all those little like raindrops they're actually yeah. just data that's just down. microsoft raining down it's yeah the whatever. internet is also a series of tubes fun, yeah. fun fact in a good thunderstorm you actually get bandwidth of something like 14.8 terabytes a second <laughs> that's crazy it's nuts as, as long as, as water hits my fiber line coming into my house it just <laughs> flies through yeah <laughs> yeah so oh, the, uh, the metaphors are on point tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah so serverless serverless is is the way that i kind of explain it is that your your list of concerns is serverless right like there's there's at no point do you think about the server that's running your website you think about building your app whether it's wordpress or node or, or, or jekyll or gatsby or whatever it is um you think about what you build and then you hit a button and send it up somewhere and then it does its thing and serves all of your users. And just like you were talking about with the, the, the Reddit hug of death, that's a situation that absolutely can happen that that serverless fixes. So the, the thing is, is that if you're having one hit a month, then you may not need to pay a whole lot, right? Like you may just not need a whole lot of resources. You get a little tiny site, you'd probably be fine on shared hosting. Um, and then you get hit front page of Reddit and your site explodes and then it immediately goes down. Or if you're on shared hosting, your host kicks you off and suspends your site. <laughs> or it will absolutely happen too. If your traffic spikes like that, you're suspended. Yeah, that unlimited doesn't take you very far. Yeah, unlimited, unlimited. Yeah, it has a limit very, very quickly when it comes to taking down a server. Um, and, and the same thing with a VPS, right? Like it, it, even if you can scale a cloud VPS up, you still have to take that server down to scale it up. You still have to you still have to shut that box down to increase the size of that box before you can turn it back on. So you just lost traffic right there. So the the, the idea of serverless is that you can go ahead and have one one hit a month or a million hits a month, and that there's literally nothing else you have to do, and you can grow hmm. from point A to point B, no problem. Clarification: There's nothing you have to do except write that check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's the thing that happens, right? Like, obviously, a person that's paying one hit, that's got a one hit a month, is paying a whole lot less than people at a million hits a month. But at that point, you're getting that much traffic; it doesn't entirely matter. 
Okay, yeah. so this would be like Lambda, right? Like Lambda services. But like, yeah. but it sounds like there's other kinds of serverless also. Because like, La- Lambda is really specific in, in, in its use case of how, how it works. Right. So, but what other ways are there are there to do serverless? Lambda is like a branch of serverless almost. Okay. So your 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 individual like lambda functions and stuff like that are are things that can exist on the server, but they're not necessarily serverless. Okay. Um, serverless more just exists in that you have this massive infrastructure, and mm-hmm. you say, "Here's my app. Here you go. Make it online," and that's okay. what serverless does. We're building a tool right now that is going to have an API associated with it. So as we sat down and we were talking about infrastructure, we were trying to think, how do we deploy the API? Because we need to be able to post mm. to it. We need to be able to get from it. We need to do all these things. It has to talk to the database. We didn't want to have to manage the operating system, all the packages, all you know, all everything that's involved in managing a server. We just wanted a simple API, and Lambda was our solution for that. And so... We've set up, you know, we're setting up our CI and everything, and we deploy all the stuff to, to Lambda, and it runs these little tiny microservices that just say, here are all the endpoints you can hit, and it handles all of that. You could get a VPS and install Node and make all that happen that way too, but this just lets us write our JavaScript, send it to Lambda, and just say, hey, point it over here, and it just works. And I don't have to think about the server piece of it at all. So how is serverless different from cloud hosting? Uh, well, cloud hosting, you typically have your, you have a dedicated amount of resources. So usually I consider oh. cloud hosting to be, the, the, the definition that we used earlier was a little different. So it was like, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily paying for dedicated amount of resources. You're not paying ahead of time, right? With, with serverless, okay. you're kind of paying as you go and as you use. So say this month you use this much, you do this. You're not necessarily dedicating those resources aside. Cloud hosting is more like like a stair-step increment of power and serverless is just more like a smooth curve of it's the what you're paying is a direct function of how much you're using it. Yeah, so I, I typically I typically equate cloud hosting with your, your unmanaged VPS type stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like it's usually your digital ocean type stuff where you have a set amount of resources you make your box you do your thing mm-hmm. um and then you kind of manually scale up so as you so as your site uses more resources then you go oh my stuff my stuff's running slow or i realized that starting to increase my resource utilization i need to scale up you kind of have to do those things ahead of time whereas serverless will handle those things automatically for you such as aws okay. lambda is is exactly the same i mean it's a serverless platform the, di- the only yeah. difference in that is that there's like the lambda functions and stuff which integrate which makes your application talk to sdks and stuff like that right but, um but the, the 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 general serverless way of doing things um basically just means build your app throw it up somewhere huh it and it gets into this idea that when you talk about shared hosting, VPS hosting, you're really talking about putting a whole website up, whereas serverless architecture is more about making it possible to do the individual tasks you want something bigger to do, hmm. which in the old days we would build a whole server for. We would build a server that handles all of the requests and does all the things. Serverless is great because you can make it do the individual thing. So in, like, in, in my case... We're looking at this API we're building, and each individual piece is one Lambda function. Hmm. And each one of those, if, if, if we get 
a million requests, but we only put 20, it scales it entirely appropriately appropriately for uh, those needs and charges us as a consequence, hmm. as opposed to thinking about, you know, well, I need to have a, a server, you know, I, I don't know how many put or gets I'm going to get. Yeah, it gets, I mean, it gets a little crazy, right? Like you got to account for what you're, you know, there's, there's the accounting for various different services, right? You may have your front end, you have your API layer, you may have another data layer that's handling, you know, interaction with the database like GraphQL or something. Um, you have a bunch of different pieces and, and that is absolutely a great way to, it's, it's one of the best ways to build it is because if your API consumes too many requests and explodes, your front end's already got everything cached and some people hitting the site. Mm -hmm can already get their static content or whatever you need. Serverless is where you go when you get to that really next level of saying, I need to build something that does a quantifiable number of certain actions, hmm. but I don't know what those will be. And so I want to be able to know that this app will always work and always you know, be there available to my users. That's where that really goes, as opposed to just saying, I need to put a website up that just serves a page. Well, the, the, the crazy things, I'm going to use a little bit of a shameless plug here and uh, and say that uh, that's what we're doing. What we're doing with Northstack is kind of bringing all those things together. So Northstack is our new um, our new serverless solution from the guys over at Pagely. And uh, one of the things that I do community evangelism stuff for. So, of course, you know, got to drop a plug here somewhere. No, um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so what it does, it kind of bridges that gap. So it kind of takes all those things together. It makes it super easy to use. So with, um, with Northstack, for example, you have a CLI and obviously you will have to learn how to just jump in a terminal and type in a command, but you build your app and it handles all of your build processes for you. So it handles all your CI stuff uh, and all those different things. And so you hit deploy on a directory on your, on your site and it uploads it and runs your site, builds it, puts it all together. It's up, it's doing its thing. You never touch it again unless you need an update. So as a whole, most folks will generally deal with two of these out of most of them, and that's the shared hosting and VPS hosting. That's where most people will land at one point or another. So let's start digging into a little bit of that detail to sort of round out all of this discussion. And I want to jump in first to the shared hosting. And while it sounds, and, and we kind of poo-pooed on it a little bit in the first half of the show, it absolutely has use cases, and it has a place. There's a reason why it has existed for the last 20 years, and why it will exist long beyond us. It's, I, I would off, even say there's a reason why you should consider using it, too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, first off, it is cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, that three ninety five a month, uh, and I joked about it earlier, you have to watch it because it will go up. That's generally the introductory price, uh, and so it goes up to, like, six ninety five, seven ninety five. Yeah, on. Yeah, we're not talking, like, $80 a month or something. Some it's of them will go, I've seen it, I've seen it go from the jump usually be pretty substantial. So it's usually, like, it's, like, three, four bucks a month on a promo, and then you jump in, and it's, like, 25 bucks a month. Oh, okay, that's significant. And yeah. what sucks is that what they do is at three ninety five, that's a great promo price to convince you to pay for the year up front so that when mm. the next year comes up, they charge you that full price for the entire yeah. year of hosting, and then you're stuck. And you can fight it. You can try to get prorated uh, refunds and whatnot, but it's a pain in the ass. 
Yeah. But they usually give you like 30 days. Keep <laughs> it. If you know what you're getting into and you pay attention to that, make sure you look at the pricing and, and know if you're getting a promo pricing. It is a cheap way to get a site launched and set up uh, mm. very quickly. The domain will be included in that. You can take that domain with you when you leave if you choose to leave. Um, it's a pain in the ass as well, but you, you can don't, do it. But you don't have to do the domain through them. You don't. You don't have yeah. to. Yeah, no. The the thing is, like when I set up, and I still have an account with HostGator, uh, and I still use them for some small stuff because I've had them forever, and it's a great place for me to throw a bunch of just small stuff that, you know, I'll charge a client, you know, more than what I'm paying, uh, mm-hmm. and it's to them it's still not much. It's enough for me to keep it running at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is generally a good place to throw stuff. Like if you've got client work, if you've got something like that that you that you're taking care of for them. It's a perfectly good place to throw a lot of that, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Um, if you're if you're like a, a small business or entrepreneur or like a single employee business, like if you have a service, let's say you're like a car washing business or something, and you want to have a website, shared hosting is like the best way to go to start out because it's super cheap and you can get started up like super fast. Yeah. And then later on, you know, move on to something more performant. Until North Stack reaches to the public. <laughs> <laughs> it generally speaking, like uh, shared hosts have its have its problems, but they are good a good starting place mm-hmm. usually. And it's just a matter of paying attention. And as long as you do a Google search, type in best hosts for twenty nineteen, best shared hosts for twenty nineteen. Somebody's written an article Go look it up and pick somebody that has a decent record. Pick somebody that's been around for a while. Um, I generally I have no problem recommending, you know, DreamHost, Bluehost, HostGator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these folks are have been in the field for years. Uh, they generally have good reviews. They don't try to like beat you up on the upsells too hard. So they're they're worthwhile. Con number one, it your your stuff gets mashed together in a very strange way that I would never recommend anybody ever like yeah. like that's that's not how you run websites uh if if you use a shared hosting thing like one of the companies we mentioned like it, see it as like this is what I'm doing to bootstrap my site and get it up and get it going and not as like this is where my site's going to live forever because I can pretty much guarantee that if your business or your site is successful, you're going to need to move on to something else. The other side of shared hosting is a lot of shared hosts will market themselves as managed, <laughs> but that's not true by any normal sense of that phrase. Like they they are only managed in the sense that they manage their own hardware and, and server infrastructure but not necessarily to your benefit. Like, mm-hmm. they only throw stuff up in cPanel, and then you are in charge from that point forward. <laughs> and I had said earlier, like, you can put in a ticket if your site goes down, but you may or may not get actual service in some cases. Yeah, so I did uh, I did the Tier 1 support thing for a little while, back when I worked at Emotion for the for, for shared hosting. And, um, well, I did, you know, shared VPS and dedicated, but... You're, you're, that, that is the thing. It's like, it's like, I'm having this issue and I need to, you know, cache this a little differently or I need to access the database a little differently or I need to put this, 
custom piece in here. Um, and yeah, it's like, no, <laughs> here's, 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 here's your default web server. And here's your default PHP version. Uh, although sometimes that mm. you can change PHP versions and stuff at least, but they're like, here's this and here's that. And here's exactly how everything's set up. Here's a folder, put whatever you want in it. But other than that, you're on your own. The next part of shared hosting that you need to watch out for is depending on, again, and all of these, like some of these cons very much depend on who your uh, host is, but uh, a problem I've ran into is backups are very limited. They will back up based on uh, nodes or entities, and they will say, well, yeah, we back up your account up to, say, 100,000 entities, which sounds like a lot, unless you're running a caching plugin and have three sites stored there, in which case you're three times over that limit between all of the little fragments because it that's backing up everything. That includes all of your email folders that you may have stored with them, all of the uh, additional images. And, and when you upload something to WordPress, upload one image and it renders three thumbnails at, at different sizes. All of that stuff adds up and you'll discover that that number erodes very quickly. So, I just wouldn't even consider having backups. Just like, yeah, back it up. Find a different solution. Just don't do even... your own. Yes, like even yeah. if they're, even if they're handling backups for you, because a lot of times too, with, especially with the man, with the with the um, with the shared hosts, they're going to back up one version, right? It's going to back mm. up that backup rolls every twenty four hours. And so, say you realize that you have an issue, like two hours after backup runs, you can your storage it two hours ago. But that's not going to help your problem. So. Yeah, usually the backups rule. I I always even even if you have the greatest backup system in the world, keep a local copy somewhere. Yeah, I think if you run WordPress, there's like backup plugins or something, right? You can just oh uh, yeah, like like every once a month, just like run that, download the file. Even if you have no idea what to do with it, like having the file at least means you can pay someone to make it work for you. There are benefits, and it, it, this this entirely depends on the the user's ability and things. But you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times you want to put your stuff on version control and stuff like that. So, of course, make sure that you can roll back to any you know revision yeah. that you need. Uh, and that that serves as your backup. Obviously, keep a local backup. Keep backups everywhere. You know, stick a flash drive in a cave. Do whatever you got to <laughs> do to make sure that you have a backup that doesn't get touched. Um, <laughs> get a caveman but, to guard it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pick. I mean, bet cavemen are cavemen are cheap. They yeah, cost very much. They basically just your, work uh, for me. Flash. And they don't know even know what to do with your flash drives. They can't run off your data either. <laughs> the, the, this is getting weird. <laughs> Our metaphors, I, man. I did like you read it. my Twitter before you came on. This? You put me on here. <laughs> the the next uh, thing to keep out for is, that we talked about already a little bit is unlimited. Isn't unlimited. That's a lie. Like, yeah, that's that's one of those things. And I, I, I use that phrase carefully because I don't know how they can even really get away with it, except that, you know, how many times have we looked at cell phones and Internet service yeah. plans and all this where they say, oh, yeah, man, you have unlimited stuff. But no, it's actually a big negative because what happens is, is that they say unlimited, but there's an asterisk next to it. And it links to their terms there, of service. There and are fourteen says, asterisks next. To yep. <laughs> and if you if you use um, more resources than they deem allowable, which mm -hmm. can be any apps, they're not going to tell you. 
it's going to be entirely an arbitrary number. It, it is 100% arbitrary. If yeah. you start using too much of whatever, disk space or bandwidth or just generally CPU or anything like that, they will suspend your site. Like straight yeah. up, you get hit really hard, they will just hit the suspend button and then call you about it. And everybody's ran through this once when you've been looking at a news site and you've seen an article that you're like, oh, that looks great. And you click on it. And you hit the page, and it's like, this account has been suspended. Please contact <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I think that if you if you say unlimited, it should mean unlimited. With like, without limits. Yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely agree. Oh, unmetered is another term that they'll use, too. Yeah. Unmetered. Yeah. It's like, we don't watch it <laughs> until we watch it. Well, that's the, that's the way that it usually works with the unlimited stuff anyways, right? Like, they'll, what happens is, is a server spikes. And then they go and they go, all right, what caused the spike? Oh, it was this site. They just got listed front page on Reddit or whatever. And then they go suspend. Mm -hmm. Server stable again. Yay. And then they just put out fires. That's, it's, I mean, that's, yeah, it's, and it's nothing against them. It's the business model, but it's technically not metering because they're looking at meters. They're looking at logs. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> they're looking at the meters when something goes wrong. And that's about it. It's like rock scotch. It's technically alcohol. Technically alcohol. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was right there with you. Uh, which, but is a good point because one of the things with uh, any kind of shared host is anytime speed or performance are needs of whatever you're building, shared hosting is not a good way to go because yeah. they aren't built for speed or performance they're built for packing as many people onto a server as they can get away with um most people are serving low enough traffic that yeah if it takes 3 or 4 seconds for a page to load they don't care that's true for a lot of mom and pop, sh pop shops but for other people milliseconds matter and we we've seen the research on that i know that we used the analogy earlier that shared hosting is like renting a room but i kind of think that shared hosting is a little bit more like renting a bed in a hostel where like your room has like maybe four beds or maybe eight beds or maybe like it's like an army barracks and there's like 20 beds in there i don't know yeah it's just a whole shit ton of beds ever is beds as far beds all the way down forever and you have one of them and if you want to have a party, the person who runs the whole floor is going to be like, uh, yeah, your bed, you can't stay here anymore. Sorry. <laughs> but here, the, the, the other side of it, though, is, that, you know, like a hostel, if you're just trying to pass through and you only got a couple bucks. Yeah, exactly. It absolutely makes sense because yes. all you need is a bed to sleep on. You don't necessarily yes. care about the rest of it. And that's why I think we want to make sure that 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 people don't necessarily, as much as we're trashing shared hosting, that, no, absolutely... that we at least give them the credit yeah. of like, if you're a tiny, you're you're a brick and mortar massage parlor. Like your website does not really matter, other than somebody doing a quick Google search for you. Like there, there's yeah. there's you're not you, your business you like, does not rely on. If this you've stuff. got a drywalling company and you just need to have like an online business card for now until you like make it big and become like the biggest drywaller in your county or whatever. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like shared hosting is totally fine. You won't have any problems with it. <laughs> Until you become the biggest drywaller in the county, and then you'll need to move on to like a different host. The last thing that I'll focus on with shared hosting is limited access. Mm -hmm. That's limited access to debugging tools, that's logs, that's anything that helps you figure out why something broke. And it's limited access to tools. Shared hosts love throwing 
WordPress up or Drupal up or something mm-hmm. simple and PHP and not at all yeah. weird and interesting. Ask them to host a Ruby app. Ask them to host yep. a Python tool. Uh, yeah, man, good luck. I, like, I can speak from personal experience. I have attempted to install a Rails app on two different shared hosting instances. It's technically possible, just like rocks is technically alcohol. But, oh my God, it's it's a fucking nightmare. It's technically possible to haul, haul an arcade machine with a uh, like a 92 Civic, but you don't want to yes. stick it on your roof. Right. <laughs> yes. I see two very distinct risks. One mm-hmm. is that when one user is compromised, it potentially oh, yeah. compromises every site on that server. And I say that as somebody who suffered from it with a yep. website. Same. That somebody was hosting a website on our shared hosting. Their site kept getting compromised, and we kept getting notifications from our host. Hey, by the way, check out whatever on your site. Look at this mm-hmm. stuff. And I spent months cleaning up time after time after time because somebody else kept screwing up and it was giving a user access to our files. If someone fixed the lock to your, to your giant hostel room. <laughs> you are jailed pretty well with kind of like modern stuff, right? Like you got like KHFS and actually I think KHFS got deprecated or something. Um, but like a lot of the cPanel stuff runs Cloud Linux, um, which mm-hmm. will at least allow you to isolate between, you know, shared user accounts. But who knows, right? Like maybe there's a pri- privilege escalation expo- exploit in the wild and the, the site's not, it got zero dayed and there's no patch for it. Boom, mm-hmm. everybody gets hit. And yeah. it, the reality is if you're paying under $5 a month for hosting, you don't know. It is the bargain basement hosting and you have to be ready to not know what you're getting in those cases. Uh, the other side of it is badly optimized scripts. If somebody uploads something to their website that is written badly and not even that on purpose, like it could be a plugin or something that they just don't know, but it starts chewing up resources on the server. That impacts you because you're all sharing those resources. And so if their script pegs 98% of the CPU and there are 50 websites shared on that, 49 of them get 2% of the CPU to share until somebody shuts it down. So that's all of the the pros, the cons, the risks of uh, looking at shared hosting. So let's do the same thing for VPS hosting. First and foremost, when you think about VPS hosting, uh, you can get it managed or unmanaged, which is really nice. Um, if you want to do everything, you can do that. If you want to find somebody who will handle all the stuff, but just load your app on it, that's also a thing that you can do. Um, and so it's just a matter of knowing what it is you're after. And there is somebody out there willing to do that model for you. The real thing about it is it's a lot of affordable power though. Mm. You get into, you think about EC2, you think about DigitalOcean, um, you think about Linode. Any of these folks that offer good, high-quality VPS, you know, it's relatively affordable for the amount of stuff you get out of it. Whereas shared hosting, you're fighting with your neighbor for the scraps of meat. VPS is guaranteeing you a certain amount of, uh, of infrastructure that you know you can use and utilize, and that gives you a lot of overhead if you're actually trying to build 
you know, a real website or a real tool at that point. It, AWS is, requires, you know, find some online learning courses for how to do some AWS management because there's like all kinds of weird shit you got to know and they have a million different options and so it can be really overwhelming. However, I had a training class at a previous job on it and it's amazingly easy to set up two instances of an EC2 with a load balancer between them and it just works and it's like a million times easier and faster than doing it manually. <laughs> so uh and and Amazon is pretty chill about if you suddenly spike on traffic, they're like, it's cool, man. Just pay us more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like how you want it to be, right? Like you spike yeah. in traffic, you'd rather you you pay a little bit more money than because obviously if you're spiking in traffic, you should theoretically be making yeah. more money anyways. So there's definitely a lot of VPS is all about do it yourself. It yeah. is it is that evolution of I want to become better at all the things I'm doing. Um and so if you like that great, but it is definitely the kind of thing that most folks aren't prepared for, I think. From setting up your own SMTP server uh, to making sure uh Aaron you mentioned, you know, get fail to ban installed. Mm -hmm. No how to set up things like uh, uh, sudo and, and all of these things so that you're not logging in as root. There's mm. so much that goes into yeah, that, that that is very... It's not, not even that it's hard. It's just that it's a lot more than I think people are prepared for. And in some cases, a lot of them are unknown unknowns. They don't know to do private key authentication because mm -hmm. they've never used private key authentication in their life. So it's just not a thing they're familiar with. Uh, and we would advocate for that if that's what you're going to do. But it the the learning curve there, and there aren't, I think, great resources in terms of yeah. how you make that move and, and how you figure it out. DigitalOcean does have a really decent knowledge base, but it's... You still have yeah. to... It, you still have to know that... The known yeah. unknowns. Yes. You have to yes. know the questions to ask yes. to make use of it. That's that's what I was looking for. Yeah, DigitalOcean's got some of the best docs out. Their docs are really good. Like, yeah. Really good. And but, I, as somebody who writes docs all day, I can absolutely tell you they're really good. The, their docs are good even if you aren't a DigitalOcean customer. Yes. And, yes, I will agree with that too. I, I will say, I, I think that uh, if you're going to do VPS with like a DigitalOcean or Linode or one of those services it's kind of those are kind of like the the journeyman level whereas like shared hosting is like the apprentice level it, you want to have someone who can mentor you through this like have a more experienced web developer or sysadmin or someone who knows linux really well because you're going to have questions and it can be really great when you get stuck in a bind like oh shit like a bunch of china ips are like hammering my server what the fuck do i do yeah. Having that expert on hand is going to like save you a lot of headaches. Um even if you're pretty competent already. I I think that it's wise to have like 
go find someone who can mentor you. That's that's I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, even if you the, the other thing, even if you know what to do, if all those IPs are hitting your your server, do you actually know that they're hitting there? That's the other yeah. question too, yeah. right? Can you maintain that server? It, you right. can you can set it up. Anybody, I mean, it's it's anybody can follow a dock and deploy a, a lamp stack. Well, and security brings us to the risks, really, which is one of the things that I keep trying to tell people is you are not as good at security as you think you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no no two ways about this, that figuring out, it, you may be the greatest web developer in the world, you are not a server admin, you are not a DevOps person, and you can learn those skills, I have no doubt, but mm. most folks go into that very unprepared for what that actually means. We're not as good at security as we think we are. Um, if you're a we web developer, you yeah. aren't committed full-time to DevOps, and somebody who is is going to be better than you. Yeah, And you have to decide if that is worth the trade-off, if that's the route you want to go for hosting. We talked about this a bit on episode 12 with Chris uh, Weekman. 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 I love Weakman. that guy. That's one of my I'm closest drunk. friends, weirdly enough. Oh, oh, badass. Yeah, really close oh, friends. Yeah. <laughs> Small world. Yep. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, there, there's no, like, no sites unhackable. So like the the trick is you want to get you want to get your site difficult enough that you're like above that threshold of being an easy target so that they go elsewhere because there are plenty of easy targets out there. Yeah, you want to just prevent yourself from the blanket attack because a lot yeah. of times these yes. attacks come in and they're just they're just let me try this same vulnerability against everything mm -hmm. I can find. And you know, most of the time you're fine. There's most of the time these these are not complex things you can you can get around them no problem and if regardless of if it's wordpress if it's a memory leak if it's an attack if you run into a problem you are completely on your own from a support yeah. standpoint if yeah. you're doing pure vps type hosting you have been granted access to a server and that is your server and unless you are paying a lot of extra money for support that problem is yours, and if you break your server, <laughs> congratulations! And, yeah, <laughs> good for you. I hope you have backups. <laughs> Go for it. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. You have, you have to do your own backups too, by the way. Yeah, do your own backups. Do all the things, and that's true. There's no better advice than always back up your own stuff. Don't trust the host. Don't trust your your managed server. Don't trust your VPS. Trust yourself to back up your own stuff. I can absolutely uh, tell our customers no problem, you know, that our backups are always there, no problem. But I still tell them, back up yeah. your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last uh, area, and, and I didn't actually list this earlier, but I want to talk about things like managed application resources. And I'm going to bring up the phrase managed WordPress because you see this a lot. Uh, managed WordPress is a, a niche that you will see and you see it with others. You'll see it with Drupal. Uh, Acquia does it with Drupal. Um, there are certainly other uh, platforms as well where you're getting sort of this hybrid solution where folks are giving you managed services that are higher end, that are application specific, and give you access to both a lot of uh, resources you wouldn't normally use and ability that you don't maybe have on your own. And... I'm going to say I'm really glad to have Jeff on tonight because of this exactly. So 
whether you're looking at WP Engine, whether you're looking at Pantheon, whether you're looking at Pagely, these are all folks who have basically made their mark as saying, we are going to set up a server infrastructure that is designed to host your website in the tool that you want to host it in. And we're going to do it better than anybody else you can go out there. You're not going to go to HostGator. You're not going to go to DigitalOcean. You're going to come to us because you want to use this tool. Yeah, so your managed WordPress is 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 something that they're they're not just managing necessarily just the server. A lot of times they're managing your WordPress instance. Um, so your updates. So if a WordPress update comes in, they'll apply that for you. Uh, if you do, you know, if there's a plugin update available, a lot of times they'll do that for you. You know, it, they're 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 managing your entire your they're managing your entire application. You're, 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 they're managing WordPress basically, um, and that's what we do over at Pagely. We actually created managed WordPress. We're the very first word managed WordPress host on the planet back when we came out. This is like very, very long ago, long ago. Um, and, and the idea is, is that you are somebody who you want WordPress and you want to put it somewhere, um, but you want to do absolutely nothing else. You don't want to have to worry about security vulnerabilities. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, if a certain plugin is necessarily going to always going to work. Um, that you need to configure caching or anything like that. Um, brute force logins to WordPress because these people in managed WordPress know WordPress, right? They know everything about things that are running on a WordPress site. And being fully managed, they're going to handle all of those things for you. So whether it be PHP versions or whether it be um, gateway level caching, or uh, maybe even some kind of custom configuration that you're looking for, you're going to be able to have somebody manage that for you. And that's exactly what we do at Pagely for the enterprise level of things. Um, mm. For the for the medium size to enterprise, depending on who that rhyme. But yeah, so they're going to manage everything for you, where you don't have to necessarily touch what you know what what may be going on in the back end. They're they're kind of watching your back at all times. What what can't you do on managed WordPress? Um, I mean, if you need to do like some, you know, you need to put a Laravel app on or a Node app on on WordPress. You can't quite, you know, manage WordPress. You can't quite do that. Um, can you can <laughs> no. you like can you do child themes and like edit your themes oh, yeah. and stuff? I mean, you can okay. do the exact same thing as you can with any other any other WordPress instance, and it's going to be the same sort of concept. If you want to do like payment processing with what is it, Ion? What was the one that was the hotness a while? I forget, but there was like a thing where you had to like like go into your home directory and like change the permissions on this file. Like, is that can you do that in managed WordPress, or do they provide solutions for that? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, okay. I, at least you can with us. I don't necessarily know. Okay. I can't speak for all managed WordPress hosts, but you still do have like a level. You still have SSH access to be able oh, okay. to change file permissions okay. if you really need to or anything like that. Uh, generally, we just handle your your WordPress installation. So we we will automatically update you for automatically update you and 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 make sure that your your file system integrity is good and that your database okay. is running and everything is tuned for WordPress because there are okay. different kinds of tuning that you're going to want to do generally. But and where you guys come in and and like these folks who do manage whether it's WordPress or Drupal or any other application. The, the real trick is you step in where shared hosting would shut you off if there is a spike mm -hmm. in traffic. Most managed services are like, no, we can accommodate that. Like, it, there are buffer zones, and I think there are still caps. 
in built in there in some cases, but usually like they aren't going to just cut you off if you over, you know, go over 10,000 hits a month or something like that. Like if you go over your limit, what they'll do is they'll serve the pages and then send you, you know, one of those notes that says, Hey, you maybe consider upgrading. <laughs> uh, there's sort of there's a, a much gentler hand that goes towards huh. the provisioning of resources where if your site is bigger than the plan you're paying for how they manage getting you you know through that process yeah a lot of the managed the managed wordpress hosts will pay attention to your stuff ahead of time so they're constantly watching and they're kind of like all right you're kind of hitting 80 percent of your you know of your container huh. usage so well, you know, it's pr it's a proactive of hey, we don't want you to have any issues. So just to let you know, you have this running. Um, and then in a lot of cases with us, since we're the more high end thing, um, then what we'll do is say, hey, you're using a little bit more resources. Um, you know, you might be we might actually be able to tune this a little bit better on the server side to get your app running faster, so that you can use less because we don't upsell. Um, so we will, as much as we can, we'll try to get your usage down and try to tune the server as much as we can. Obviously, you can't do much if, uh, if all of a sudden, you know, traffic is through the roof and, and it doesn't matter. It's at a certain point, it doesn't matter how much your application is tuned, you use in resources. But if at all possible, we'll generally tune, tune your stuff as much as possible or say, hey, look, this plugin is eating up a lot of resources. You might want to try this or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but generally, we'll let you know ahead of time and either A, um, help you tune things um, on your application side, B, we'll tune some stuff on your server side, or C, we'll say, all right, yeah, you might might want to move up to this to kind of account for that that level of traffic. Yeah. The other thing they'll do, and, and uh, from my experience, they've, with like WP Engine, for instance, I've had good luck with them on uh, security scanning, and not just like the, the proactive stuff in terms of making sure that the plugins you're installing you know, meet certain uh, uh, bars of entry, but also, you know, we have internally uh, certain security measures and, uh, you know, we have to run pen tests occasionally, things like this. And they're able to meet all of those needs just by saying, hey, we're going to run a pen test. You're going to see a surge of traffic from this IP address and just know it's happening and they will whitelist it for a certain period of time and take care of it. And also on the backup side, we said earlier, like in terms of shared hosting, most shared hosts limit the backups you get. And they can be limited by file size, by uh, package size, whatever th that may end up being. With most managed WordPress uh, uh, backups, they say, we'll, we will save 30 days of backups. And it doesn't matter what size it is. They back it up every day. You can do on-demand backups, whatever the case uh, may be that you need. And those are where you start seeing those real differentiators. And when you need that kind of availability, when you need that kind mm -hmm. of resiliency in your website scheme, that makes all the difference in the world in terms of knowing if that's worth it or not. It's real turnkey WordPress. Yeah. Yeah, it was so like it, it, there's even things like that are very specific to WordPress security wise too that are like for example we I just wrote a doc the other day it was on um that was what happens if you get an insecure login rejected error message which is something <laughs> we just built in that we started just black holing if you're using the password of password oh my god 
you know, like, <laughs> like really obvious dumb stuff. Like if you're using password one, two, three, even if it's a valid password, it'll lock you out. Um, and the reason why is it not necessarily just completely lock you, but it'll say, hey, you need to fill out a CAPTCHA and also you need to reset your password before we're going to let you back in. Um, and the reason behind that is, A, we don't want that user's account to get hacked because it could be an admin on some massive account that's just dumb and uses a bad password. Or most of the time, it's a brute force attack. So the, the password that will come in, they'll run through a list of usernames with a bunch of bad passwords usually. And so any of those bad passwords will just black hole out. So that a you're not having to use um, you're not having to use your system resources because even a failed login is still using resources on your system, and right. b you're not as worried about getting compromised. So I hope that was useful. I hope we helped folks understand the difference between all of these different things. I know there are different use cases, and the best thing I can offer everybody is if you're still confused or you want some feedback or anything. Send us a tweet. Let us know if you have a question, and we're happy to answer that. Um, go mull that over for a minute. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back after uh, our sponsor message, and we will wrap things up right after this. The Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by our friends at NewCloud. NewCloud is an industry-leading interactive map provider who has been building location-based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, NewCloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at newcloud.com slash drunkenux. That's nucloud.com slash drunkenux. Jeff, man, thanks for sitting down with us. I know that it's getting late in terms of Virginia time because in Kansas, we don't believe in clocks. We don't believe in electricity most of the time, as it turns out. Um, so take a second. Uh, you've got the microphone. Tell us where you're at, where we can find you, and if you've got anything going on that you want folks to know about. And what's in the water? What's in the water? Oh, there's something in the water. We don't something know. Something in the water. Something. Just something. <laughs> Lots of creatures. Um <laughs> So you can find me on uh, on Twitter at the Jeff Matson. Uh, I'm usually also behind uh, the North Stack uh, Twitter account. If you uh, poke around there, sometimes I'll respond to you there. Um, other times it may just be somebody else. Um, you can also find me at jeffmatson.net, the site that I do not ever update. Uh, we, we all have that website. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I, eh, people come to me fill out my form every once in a while. Whether or not, I think it probably still says I work for Gravity. Uh, but you can find me there. Usually on Twitter is the best place. At uh, once again, the Jeff Matson. Uh, grab me on Twitter there. Uh, feel free to ask me any hosting related questions. I try to stay as unbiased as possible. Obviously, if you ask me what the best way managed WordPress hosting is, I'll tell you the absolute truth, which is Pagely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you can also find me there, and then uh, of course check out uh, check out North Stack. Right now we're doing a promo for uh, for fifty dollars off of your stuff. And uh, if you're really nice to me on social media, I'll let you in the plug beta too. What's the uh, site for North Stack? Uh, Northstack.com. Thank you. 
Awesome. What's uh? So be sure to to give us the questions at dot com slash Twitter and Facebook colon drunken ux. <laughs> that are and you sure that's the right uh, the right address? I said what I said. Okay, making sure. Instagram colon com slash drunken ux podcast and then drunken ux com slash slack if you want to yell at us that's a weird outro i'm gonna let you get away with it though uh <laughs> folks if you're listening to us i don't care if you're on iHeartRadio, on apple Podcasts, google podcasts if you're on stitcher wherever you are make sure to hit the like button hit the share button do the things let folks know that you've enjoyed us leave us a review if you feel the need if you don't uh want to you know let us know who you are you can live, fill out the form at our website, drunkenux.com, and we will take your anonymous uh, information as well. Let us know if we're doing good or bad, or if you want to hear a topic covered. Otherwise, tell you, tell you uh, Jeff, thanks for spending the night with us. Aaron, uh, I think you need a nap because, boy, you sound a little bit weird. Uh, otherwise, the only thing that I have left to tell all of you kind folks out there, and this is one of those things it has nothing to do with the hosting. It has nothing to do with anything except making sure that you're doing the best job you possibly can. And I hope that you're keeping your personas close and your users closer. Bye-bye. <laughs>